Hello, racing fans. This is Edison Hatter back with another episode of First Over with Edison Hatter, this time to discuss the races at Woodbine Mohawk for this coming Saturday, October the 2nd, 2021. A nice 12-race program on tap for this coming Saturday evening. But first things first, as always, I'd like to welcome in my guest for this week. And my guest is Joe Ricky, track announcer currently down at Ocean Downs. Joe, welcome to the show. Hopefully we can uh, give the players some insight into the $100,000 guaranteed first try on Saturday. Certainly that is always our goal. But first things first, Joe, just talk a little bit about um, your history. I mean, I know you've been a track announcer for quite some time, some time at Saratoga, some time at Pompano. So just talk a little bit about your time in the sport. Yeah, my dad started. He had a couple of horses way back when, and uh, I ended up being a groom slash second trainer, mostly groom. And I started calling the qualifiers here at Saratoga Harness. I then uh, started calling the last race a couple of nights a week. The gentleman who was there went to Western New York. I ended up getting the job at Saratoga. I was there for nine years. Went to Pompano and went blessed to work with the late, great Larry Albano. Uh, I called the races at Pompano. We had a handicapping show. We had a cable show for a recap. Uh, went to work for the Gaming Commission in New York when that stint was over. and. Uh, Pete Szymanski, who I've known for quite some time, uh, called me like a month later in 19, I'm sorry, in 2017, and uh, I was back to Ocean Down, so I had worked there one time like 20 years ago. Great location, great spot, great little boutique meet, so good. Well, Joe, we'll talk a little bit about all three of those big ones there, Saratoga, Pompano, Ocean Down, so... Let's start with Saratoga, and, you know, I didn't know about it until someone on the internet world pointed it out to me this summer. I got a chance to listen to your call from 1988 of Mac Bell got to call the Breeders' Crown at Saratoga. So is that, um, for you, at least one of the highlights of your calling career? It was Edison, and it happened like the second year I was calling races, and uh, Muscle Hill was a great horse, but if you have the time, sometime, not you personally, but go back and take a look at Mac Bell When he won that day at Saratoga, he already had the mile mark for trotters. He already had the 5 eighths mile track mark and came to Saratoga and busted a record by the great Neville Pride on that day. So the second year of calling races, they get to call the Breeders' Crown and get to call that particular horse. Yes, definitely a highlight. And to talk a little bit about your time at Pompano, I was doing a little bit of digging and found an article from a while back, Joe, that you swept a card once at Pompano. Yeah, I, I did. But uh, those things can happen. Usually they're the anomaly, and they were. Uh, but again, I worked with the late, great Larry Albano. We uh, we did a handicapping show. The racing was top-notch. We had a number of Isle of Capris. Horses came from all over for big money to race in the winter. The racing was top-notch. Bruce Ranger, uh, Wally Hennessy, Gil Pavia Jr. in his prime, Kevin Wallace, to a great colony of drivers and horses at the time that I was there. So another great experience. Yeah, really unfortunate. I know we've talked a little bit about on the show with some of my other guests. Obviously, uh, most listeners should be aware that Pompano, obviously, is looks like coming down the stretch for the final time um, this coming meet. And uh, it's a place I've yet to get to. So for sure, um, it is absolutely on my list sometime this winter. Got to go see Gabe Pruitt, Gabe Pruitt and see everyone down there at Pompano so I can see the track um, before uh, the unfortunate end to racing there. But um, so Joe, you, you now currently at Ocean Down, you said, for the past about four or five seasons now. Um, yes. and so this past season, you know, obviously I've 
worked with you a little bit down there and of course also work in the Maryland harness racing business. So, um, you know, it was just so quiet last year. I was able to make it down one day last year without the fans and it's just so eerily quiet. I know um, you weren't announcing last year either, but uh, obviously I'm sure you have a feel for at least what it would have been like without fans and, you know, what tracks have gone through through the pandemic without fans and Ocean Downs always gets such a nice crowd off of the beach, the families coming in. So for sure, it's always nice to call in front of those crowds there at Ocean Downs, correct? Oh, absolutely, Edison. And they, as you said, it's a family orientated and they have something going on. Marketing has like jugglers. They have bouncy horse races. So you get the kids involved, they come out and it's good to get the exposure to the younger kids. And hopefully they like what they see and we can get some repeats. But there's not better Edison you call races that at the top of the stretch, you can hear the crowd and that's what makes it all worthwhile. You know, they're, they're rooting, they're cheering. And that's what makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess we can kind of tag team this uh, promo for Ocean Downs a little bit. But, um, you know, Ocean Downs uh, had, oh, well, gosh, what was it? The ostrich races earlier this year in July. I mean, oh, yes. that, was such a, yes. that was such a popular night. And, uh, yeah, just in general, I mean, you know, it might slow down a little bit those last couple of days of the meet after Labor Day when the kids kind of go back to school. But it really is just great crowds. Um Throughout the whole meet, it's only about a 40-day meet um, running like that first week in June to sometime in the middle of September. And, um, you know, you guys have changed the dates up a little bit over the years, but uh, this year at least was Sunday, Monday, Wednesday at 7.05. So that's probably something similar to what next summer will yeah, look like as well. for a, boot, uh, a boutique meet, a short meet, without a headlining event other than the Maryland Slayer Stakes, which have produced some very nice horses. You know, the, the racing is pretty darn good. Yeah, it certainly is. Always competitive races. Um, and yeah, there is, are some nice stakes down there. You know, um, that last Wednesday of the meet, or the second to last Wednesday of the meet, there was those $70,000 Maryland Sire Stakes finals for two-year-olds. So $280,000 in purses for four races is uh, nothing to sneeze at for sure. But um, absolutely some great racing down there at Ocean Downs. And yeah, for any of our listeners that haven't gotten a chance to check it out, uh, I think both Joe and I will highly recommend checking out Ocean Downs in uh, down there near Ocean City, Maryland. This next summer, next meet, if you get the opportunity to, it will be the 72nd season of racing coming up. Is that correct? Uh, it's a little longer than that. I don't have that number right in front of me. I believe it's like the 78th, maybe the 72nd, but it's been there a while for sure. Uh, but again, for a small boutique meet with Maryland Sire States, the headlining event, nothing to sneeze at, as you said, 280000 It's competitive racing. It's good racing. And pretty much that's what's all you that's what you need. And you're you're five minutes from Ocean City. So, you know, the, the whole cycle is pretty much intact down there and it and it should be for a while, hopefully. Ocean City, Maryland, of course, a beautiful area. And Ocean Downs, yeah, I know for the uh, devout listeners at least have heard me talk about it a little bit in the past that that was the track I saw my first ever harness race at. So actually, Joe, that was twenty eighteen. So you actually called the first ever harness race I ever listened to. Um, and you're still in the business after having that experience. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and also, you know, I always say that I didn't have many connections family-wise to the industry, and I still really don't. But my late grandfather, who I never knew that well, passed away when I was very, very young. But uh, rumor has it that he did, on family vacations down that way, enjoy the occasional night to watch the uh, harness horses way back in the 50s and 60s. So maybe that's a little bit of the family connection. Maybe that's where I picked it up from a little bit at least. There you go. There you go. So, Joe, um, next thing's next. You know, I've kind of created this new little segment on the show. We're going to call it 
handicap and questions for my guests and my guests always give great answers and insights so I, you know i had to think for this one for a little bit but i came up with a good question joe something we haven't talked about yet on the show and in particular i know we have a lot of thoroughbred listeners out there so this might be a foreign concept to them so let's talk a little bit about qualifiers joe and how you use them in handicapping so unlike in thoroughbreds where you know they just have essentially straight workouts and you know of course it's been off for a long enough of a period enough of a layoff there might be required to have a workout but harness racing is a little bit more stringent on these qualifiers. It's actually, you know, they use the gate. It's like a regular standard race for the mile. Obviously, no betting on them. Um, and there's a certain qualifying time that horses have to meet to qualify to be able to race then in the parimutuel races. So, Joe, when we look at qualifiers of a horse coming off, you know, for an extended break, how do you personally factor that into your handicapping of a race? I mean, are you hesitant on a horse off a long break? If it's a good qualifier, does it kind of make it okay? I mean, how do you put all that together? Well, the first thing I go back to is if it's a racehorse who's had time off, what kind of back classes he had? Who was he racing against previous to the time he had off? Where is he returning at what level? How much time was off to the qualifier? Was it a month? Was it four months? And then you just have to judge the competition on the qualifiers that day. Those charts are available on the USTA or Standard Canada. Go back, check all the qualifiers, and see how that one stands out from others, if it does. Then you try to get a feel of the trainer. Where is he going next with this horse? Again, if it's a race horse, an overnight horse, it's racing. If it's a stakes horse, there may be a point three weeks down the road, four weeks down the road. So there's a lot of circumstances that come into play. I would never discredit a good qualifier. And I would never discredit a bad qualifier. She used all the factors that come into play. You qualified on that day. You know, time is, is irrelevant, but it's not the most important thing. And then you just have to watch. And a lot of places, uh, Canada does have qualifiers available via the replay. They do show them live. So it gives you a little bit of insight. But it's, it's a number of factors that come involved. And hopefully you guess right when you pull the trigger. Yeah, it certainly is. And again, especially for some of our more novice players out there, I'll throw in, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Joe. But it's also, if you do get the chance, especially like the Meadowlands, I know we've started to stream ours. If you do get the chance to watch the qualifiers, they can be important. Because sometimes what you'll see is, since, you know, these horses aren't racing for money, obviously, in the qualifiers, they may kind of go a little slower to the half. And then you can kind of get an idea for how good a horse may be next time out based on how well they finish, right? Sometimes that last quarter time in a qualifier can be pretty important compared to, say, you know, the final time. Absolutely. They're not racing for money. As you stated earlier when we started the topic, they're there to have to go a certain time to qualify to race for a month. So the value is what are they trying to do with this qualifier based on where they are going to go when they drop it in the box. So, you know, again, the number of factors that come into play, but you can watch them, as you said, Edison, and that's the key. I think the final kind of thought, at least for me on this topic, is then also, um, so horses have to qualify if they've been off for such a period of time. And of course, you can always throw a horse in the qualify, maybe just kind of get a tune-up mile, whatever. But another way that horses might have to qualify is if they have um, repeated breaks or extended breaks, um, even say like lameness for like, you know, a, a, um, you know, a qualifying time not met, so finishing poorly in a race, that kind of stuff. So Joe, how do you factor that in? Are you concerned? Like, let's say the horse, you know, makes the terrible breaks two weeks in a row and then comes back the next week with a clean qualifier. Should I feel some confidence to bet next time out or am I still skeptical? 
I would be somewhat skeptical, but again, if you're able to see the horse when he made the break, watch the replay, see what circumstances were there when it happened, if you're able to see the qualifier, and if not, the best thing, if you're there at the track and now with the advent of so much availability online, watch him score down, watch him warm up. If he looks like a horse that he might have looked like previous to that, then the break was an anomaly. If he looks like he still may be a little off, they may be still trying to find exactly what it is, and they're still kind of like going through the wheel of what this could be, this be, you know, and there's, that's the other thing. If you, once you get to see him, you'll have a much better idea. And some horses, Edison, will look not the best, but they'll do that all the time, and that's another thing you get from watching. You know that's him. That's the way he looks. That's his gait. So again, the visual is very, very important. And so um, I'm assuming you're going to say yes on this question, but, you know, so kind of similar type thoughts then from you when, say, a horse finishes the mile really poorly the week before, you know, doesn't make a break, but just doesn't meet the qualifying standard. If he comes back the next week with a clean mile, and obviously, especially if you might know the trainer, you know, say that the horse bled or broken equipment, something like that, kind of the same idea, shouldn't be too concerned coming back the next time out after that qualifier? No, I wouldn't. Again, if you can see it, it definitely gives you more insight. And again, if you can see him race and see why he might have raced not to the level you thought he should have, if you're there to watch him the next time he races and watch him score down, watch him warm up, you know, driver changes are big also sometimes. Sometimes drivers do not fit horses. The greatest driver in the world sometimes will get a horse he just does not fit. And it can happen. I mean, there are obviously exceptions to that rule. So that's a big factor to uh, see who drove him the week that he did have maybe the line you didn't anticipate he would, and maybe there's a driver switch to next start. So, you know, another factor you might want to put into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so some good good thoughts there on, uh, again, qualifiers and how you might factor that into your handicapping of harness horses. But with that, Joe, we'll get into our own handicapping. Um, we'll talk about the Saturday evening card, that early pick five guarantee tool as always. Um, for those who want to follow along with us, they can get their free programs online at woodbine.com backslash mohawk backslash free hyphen programs. And as always, we'll just jump right into this. We have a $100,000 guaranteed early pick five, 20 cent base wager, races one, two, three, four, and five Saturday night. And race number one is a Phillies and Mares, non-winners of 16,000 in their last five starts or non-winners of 30,000 in their last nine starts. It's on the pace for a purse of 24,000. And, Joe, you're just using two in here. Yes, Edison, I am. I'm using the one bestseller, Hanover, and also the seven, Lady Arthur. Lady Arthur is a three-year-old against racehorses. I understand that. The one-horse bestseller, Hanover, had a few weeks off, qualified very strongly. Takes a slight drop in company, has had no chance the last two from post eight, draws an inside slot, a slight dip in company. You get still main so you get the rail. And I think she's definitely worth a hard look in there. The seven, again, is a three-year-old. And not liking to bet three-year-olds against racehorses. But if you go back to this horse's last line on uh, September 10th against a similar group, she was second to run victory. The next line, even more impressive, 17th. She was second to the barn dogs watching, who just won a gold event the other night. She went to Delaware. She was second. She knows it all. She's back at Woodbine. She's back in the seven-day cycle. And even though she's a three-year-old against racehorses, she comes from Dr. Ian Moore. She's won three of ten. I definitely think she's a player. Yeah, I saw this race personally as my deep one. Um, I just want to try to survive this first leg. So I actually used five in here. 
Uh, I use the one, the two, the five, the six, and the eight. So I do not use the seven, Lady Arthur. I think part of my knock against her is the fact that she is the three-year-old racing um, against the olders here. But uh, you are right. She does have some good lines in there. And, uh, you know, although she finished seventh in that fan handover, she still has Hot Mess Express in her lines. 16 lengths beaten to her, obviously. But uh, she's definitely got some real horses in those lines. But um, so I'm with you on the one bestseller handover um, on the drop with the rail draw. Better than the last couple draws. Definitely seems like a logical one to use. Uh, the two better be Donna's. Another one's making a drop in class. Was competitive, though. Picked, uh, wasn't too many lengths out of it against some of those tougher um, conditioned companies. So give her a chance back dropping back down. Uh, the 540 Tory. This is another one that's dropping down. Was an easy winner at short odds at non-winners of 5,000 and non-winners of 9,000. And then it's been jumped up to the non-winners of 25,000 level. And, you know, put in an okay second-place effort there, three back, and kind of struggled in the two most recent. So on the drop down, at a big number, we'll throw her in. The six West Beach, another one. Easy winner, non-winners of 9,000. An okay third-place effort against non-winners of 28,000. This is kind of right in the middle, so we'll see how she does here. And the eight kicking cowgirl was, um, from the rail, finished second beaten by two and a quarter at this level last time out. Came home with 26 and 4 at final time of 51 and 2. So we will throw her in as well. So it'll be 1, 2, 5, 6, and 8 for me here as I just try to survive that first leg. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. So Joe, race two is uh, non winners of three for Phillies and Mares. It's five races or 40,000. Phillies and Mares, 63,000 lifetime. Still in the trot for 20,000. And um, you use in here three. I'm using three horses in here, yes. Uh, so you were using the two, the three, and the seven, and tell us why you're using them. Well, the two I just have a, a spot for. She's a five-year-old mare by Johnny William. Uh, you know, she, she puts her effort in every week. She gets a little better post-draw tonight. The right things have to happen for her to win, but I think she may offer a little value. The three war we whisper, if you go back two starts, that'd be by Aguilar I am. Last week in the Simcoe, her starts this caliber out of the stake races are not bad. Spartan General, she was beaten by nominators of three back on the 23rd. On the 30th, she was second best, two moved in there to the Prince, who's a nice horse, not a world beater, but a nice horse. And her next start in the nominators of three or 40,000, she got beat ahead by I Glare I Am. Their last race was the Simcoe, so you know what? I mean, she's a three year old. He is a three year old. He made 131, so I'm looking for a bounce back from them off the line, two back. And down to the seven, Magic Kate. Another, this mare made 212 fouls in last year. She's racing stateside at Chester, Pocono. I don't like the date. Dale date. September 9th was her last start after moving back to the Mike Vanderkam stable. But if the right things develop, she's got some versatility in her arsenal. The seven horse field. I'm hoping all things could happen and she may be able to add the one well, for me and your Joe, I just use the three and the six. Where we whisper who I know you use. So um, for him, I just kind of mentioned that he did finish that second place effort, beaten only by a head, was right there with Iglair AM um, in two starts back for him. And that was the most recent start for Iglair AM, who um, has now won two in a row against this type of level. So I will throw her in again. Um, and that is basically your two. Well, at the very least, Iglair AM is, is definitely going to be the likely favorite here, I think. Um and where we whisper may very well be the second choice. So for sure, two pretty logical choices for me here. But three and six for me, two, three, and seven for you. Um, as, we, as we flip on to race three, that's five-year-olds and younger, non-winners of five races or 91,000 lifetime on the pace for a purse of 22,000. 
And for me, I'm single here. I use just the three, Pirate Hanover, who's been facing all sorts of tough company, the Sun Beach somewhere, um, was in the eliminations from the North America Cup, tried a three-year-old open event, and ended up getting the job done at 3-2 to two at a conditioned event of pretty similar company prior to this um, last week. And we'll just look to make it two in a row here. Um, he's had a couple wins down at the Meadowlands with us this summer. He now has three wins this season, so he will look to pick up a fourth win tonight. Um, of the year, and that will be the single for me. But I know you're using one other horse in here, Joe. Yeah, I agree with everything you said about Pirate Hanover. He's a three-year-old captain, treacherous. You're looking that maybe he has turned the corner. He showed potential. His last two, the Simcoe, a bucket win over second best race. Very good that night. Came back with a win. And I'll tell you, if you watch the replay of that last start, it was a chilly drive by Jody Jameson. He did not pull on the right line. He let him go where he wanted to go. And when this horse shook loose, it was American history. He was 3-2. to two. I understand that. He's probably going to be the favorite today. But if turn the corner, he showed two starts back. He'd been last week. He got a pretty easy trip. So off of that last race with the easier trip than the week against the bucket bat Hanover, I think he may be the one. And when outside uh, – to the sixth, and then other one you're hoping he's turned the corner, Lancaster Bomber. He's been on the board 11 of 15. He's won four of 15. He was the beaten favorite by the horse that is outside of him this week. He's got versatility in his arsenal. He left in the Simcoe. He sat the fence. He got some money last week, but definitely a better effort. And if he's ready to step the game up one more step, I think he has a shot. And he's probably going to be in the four to one, the six to one range. So again, trying to add some value along with using the favorite. Uh, Pirate Hanover. Every, every single week, my guests managed to point out a horse that I kind of overlooked and didn't quite include, and I might have to take a deeper look at my ticket, and you might have done one for me here again, Joe. I might have to take a deeper look at a Lancaster Bomber. Good good case you make for him, but uh, single to the three for me, three and six for you. As we move on to race four, non-winners of 3,000 in the last five starts or non-winners of 7,000 in the last 10 starts on the trot for 12,000. And now, Joe, it's your time to single. Yeah, Edison, the fourth at uh, Woodbine and the, the fourth leg of that pick five guaranteed 100,000 at Woodbine on Saturday. It's a bottom-level condition trotters. There's a lot of camera-shy individuals in this group. And sometimes you just got to make a stand. You got to step out. And I did with the five, never mind. And uh, this eight-year-old son of muscle mass is a hit-and-miss proposition. Too bad was very good against Magical Winner K, who went right down from post eight that night last week not good and that's exactly what you get with nevermind uh ben belajon got the training chores back on this one two weeks ago where he's good first start off a two-week layoff again last week not so much but had the nine hole moves to mid-pack you get the master sylvain fayon at the controls and in a very bottom level field this one could spring the upset and then first ken lee since you lot is beating on his card Kind of funny behind the gate, but if uh, Sylvain can get his mind on business, he might be able to take these things right down the road. Yeah, I agree with everything you say about him, but um, for sure, these bottom-level events are always kind of tricky. Anything can happen to them, as we, as we all know. Um, so I go 40, but I use the 2, the 3, the 5, and the 6. I'm with you on the 5, never mind N. But I'm also going to throw in the 2, Black Tie Bash, um, who... Has been at this level now for a while, has two wins so far this year, a couple of weird lines in there, had the break, uh, had pose nine, didn't really particularly like that night. Um, a couple other tough trips in there, ending up in that outer flow without cover, and just, um, I don't know, gets stuck me there back here for the second week in a row. So nice to see that he's sticking with him, and uh, I'm going to give him a chance at a price 
um, to see if maybe he can't get the right kind of trip here tonight. Um, and, one other thing, and my, one other thing with Black Tie Bash, the Macintosh horse, he had to be fixed, and that may be a factor also. Go ahead, young man. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, and then the three, uh, Godspell Hall I use as well. Um, this is one that has had trouble staying flat, um, has broken two most recent, came back with um, an okay qualifier. And then if we look back in the lines of four back at this level, from post seven um, through reasonable half mile speed. I mean, 56 pretty quick to the half mile. And, you know, he was 13 and three quarters back there, but ends up closing second to be beaten only by a nose with a big back half of 26 to one. So uh, maybe if he can stay flat and get it all together, he might be worth a chance. Um, and then for the six, he had a win at this level at Rideau Carlton two back um, and then tried tougher over Rideau Carlton. Um, didn't do a whole lot there, but the best mark came in 156 flat for him last year at Woodbine Mohawk. So jumping back up to the seven eighth mile track, he has seemed to like this track in the past. We'll give him a chance as well. So it's two, three, five, and six for me in race four. So, Joe, to close out this early pick five, it's race five. Non-winners of 8,100 in their last five starts or non-winners of 16,000 in their last 10 starts. It's on the pace for 16,000, and you use the two, the four, the five, and the nine here. Again, I think it's a wide-open event. It's going uh, to go for 16,000, so it's like two levels above the bottom class. The key with the two for me, he, he was a beaten favorite against similar on the 28th and on the 3rd. He did race okay against Groovy Joe H.D. Napoleon his last start. The flow really didn't take him where he needed to go. He was closing late on the mile. So again, I mean, he's just one of those ones, right place, right time, Jameson Sticks. He won in 49 last year there. He made 116,000 last year. So he's looking to uh, get back on track. Although again, he was a beaten favorite against similar on the 28th of August and September 3rd. So you always got to keep in mind. Down to the four JM Jack, this is a high horse. He's made 238,000. He's only made like 30,000 the last two years. Weeks ago against the bottom level condition horses, he was very good. Last week, bumping up this class, in race bad from both cats. Again, he's a Jekyll and Hyde horse. So we're looking to say, hey, you know what? If he shows up with the right one, uh, to the five horse, Priceless Beach. This horse has done nothing wrong in the last two hearts. Could not beat the um, Jack of Hearts. Two back with a two-hole trip. Had some pop at the end of the mile. Got beat by Dean B. Hanover in his last start. Was in this race tonight. McDonald sticks. Not a horse that likes to win, but his credentials in the last pair making me think that he can be a definite player in here. Uh, then down to the nine and. Dean B. Hanover, he's another three-year-old. You hope he's turned the corner. He's been great the last couple of starts. He has to do it again. He's won six of 17 lifetime. His last line is probably the best line on the program. It's a lifetime best. So we're looking to hopefully he can step up one more notch, even from the tough post, and maybe be able to get the money. This is a rare uh, statement for me. Normally, I always have to include, it feels like, at least the morning line favorite or the second morning line favorite. Just uh, the morning line odds maker at Woodbine generally seems to agree with me. But this is a rarity for me. I'm throwing out the two and the four. I go, or, or rather the five, the two and the five, your morning line favorite, second morning line choice. I go one, four, nine here. I'm with you with the four JM Jack of Hearts and the nine B, Dean B. Hanover. And I'm also going to throw in the one Trey Shore Hanover who had a win against non-winners of 3,000 pretty easily at two back. And then last time out, an okay fourth-place effort beaten by two lengths at this level. 
Draws the rail. Sylvain Philly on stays aboard for the third time here in a row. So those two have gotten along well the last two weeks. And hopefully they can continue that trend. So it's one, four, and nine for me here to close it out. Um, and Joe, to recap our tickets for you, it is one, seven with two, three, seven with three, six with five with two, four, five, nine, a nine dollar and sixty cent play. And for me, it's one, two, five, six, eight with three, six with three. With two three five six with one four nine, and that is a twenty-four dollar play. So Joe, hopefully we gave out some winning tickets there for that early pick five sequence on Saturday. And we'll also discuss here quickly some of these featured races on the card. We'll discuss two of them here. We'll talk races six and race nine. And starting with race six, this is an Ontario Sire Stakes gold event. This one's for the two-year-old Phillies on the pace for $157,200. And I think the two obvious choices to stand off on the page are Prohibition Legal, who just suffered that first career defeat last week to Nikki Hill, and the five Silver Label, who kept it going two weeks ago on North America Cup night, or three weeks ago, rather, and has now run her record to a perfect six for six. And these two heavyweights will show down on Saturday night. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. These two horses are both homebreds, Miller Farm, bred Miller Farm owned. And I think Nikki... G might be the G might be for gold because you're right on the money. He has the two top contenders. These two Phillies have raced 13 times this year. They've won 12. They finished second once. Combined, they've made over 500,000, and they are the two major players. And again, I don't think anybody is going to be considered a loser here if one of them beats the other because they are two very solid Phillies. The uh, Prohibition Legal, a big gym out of a Jenny's Beach Boy. The Mayor Catch a Wish, who the Miller Farms raced. Silver Label, a two-year-old Better's Delight, another, another Real Desire Mayor. So those, again, are the two top players. And uh, it's Nikki Gold, Gallucci, probably take down with one of those two that gold event. So Joe, we'll put you on the spot. I'll put mine out there first. I will take the three Prohibition Legal as my top selection over Silver Label. So I will go 3-5 here. What about you? You know, I, I, I can't disagree with what you said. Silver Label does have a stale date. The last time she raced was the 11th. She was pretty handy in the Champlain. But she has a couple of segments in there where she has missed a couple of weeks. So I'm just going to flip it and go 5-3. And yeah, I think we alluded to it here. But just in case, just to um, actually explicitly stay it out there, we should say that these horses, both Miller Farms own, both bred by them, and Nicolucci trains both. So... For sure, those will be the big winners, most likely in this race. But, of course, we could always see a big upset. The uh, next most likely in there is the two balance at 4-1 to one on the morning line. Um, then it's up to Love That Smile at 6-1 to one, and Big Better Hand over the other one in single-digit odds on the morning line at 8-1. to one. Yeah, They're two-year-olds, Bub, and they've probably got anywhere between three and ten starts. So uh, nothing's known when you come to two-year-olds for sure. Yeah, certainly it is not. Uh, Plenty of crazy things can happen with those two-year-olds, so we will have to wait and see for Saturday night. Uh, So, Joe, the last race for us to discuss is race nine. It's the preferred pace for 34,000. And uh, a couple different directions to go in here. So uh, which way did you see this one? Well, I had three horses left in. Uh, Edison's the one, four, and seven. The one, Sintra, he's a millionaire. He's had no chance from tough posts against pretty tough competition. He's got the rail tonight. Jameson knows him pretty well. He's going to be half. He's going to have to be good to win, but I think he's capable. Then I went down to the four and Hanavan. Uh, if you watch his last three, four races, uh, two races especially after qualifier, he came first up against Alley Wag Hanover last week. Uh, wheels on fire sat the pocket, and Hanavan was 
very, very good. No match for Holly White Hanover. This horse has won 15 out of 20 life, and he's coming in at probably as good as he can be. All the way down to the bottom. And Edison, I know you enjoy racing, and you enjoy really good horses. And when really good horses do things that you think they are capable of, that would be the seven war revital last week on the 25th. If you get a chance, anybody out there, go back and watch the replay. This horse, it was a tour de force. Is he capable? Absolutely. He's won four of his last six. Last line is his best line. There's only seven of them in there. He has some versatility in his arsenal. But again, if you watch three plays from last week, this was a very good horse at his very best. He's going to have to be that tonight to win. Saturday, rather, to win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to read it um, visually for our listeners, it was 26-2, and two, where we vital fires out from post six to the front. Goes to the half and 54-1. and one. Is on top still by a cozy length and three quarters. Is on top by two and a half past three quarters and one twenty-one flat, and kicks home in twenty-six and three, a final time of forty-seven and three, and opens up through the stretch to win by six and a quarter. So a tour de force indeed, and therefore he is my top selection. But underneath, I also like the one Sintra six to one on the morning line. I think he might be a little bit shorter than that, just because of those tough posts. He moves back into the rail, and obviously he's been tasting some tougher company as well. If you look at some of the horses in his line lately. Um, Catch the fire, had uh, Ali White Canover in there. Where are we vital? Obviously, he's lost to where are we vital in the past here. Um, but, you know, Central won a couple of preferreds there in a row before heading south of the border to Hoosier Parks for that damn patch stakes, which Catch the Fire won. So I um, think uh, Joey James can work out a good trip from the rail there. So it'll be 7 1 for me here in the ninth race. And, uh, Joe, did you give your top selection? Are you going for where are we vital as well here in the ninth? Yeah, I was just so impressed. And he's gone back-to-back before, so it's not like you know, he throws a good one in and he doesn't. It was just so impressive last week uh, that I can't I can't, I can't, can't move away from him. Even though there's a couple underneath, I think I have a chance. If he repeats an effort like he did last week, they're not going to beat him. Definitely agree with that, and it uh, should be fun to watch um, that race on Saturday night. And all the races, for that matter, on Saturday night are really good. 12 race card at Wood by Mohawk. But, uh, Joe, I think that's about all the time we have. So, um, start by saying uh, thank you so much to you for coming on the show today. Edison, it's been a pleasure. I have one thing you might have added. I call it a future star. Uh, Brent McGrath, Scooter Stable, they have a two year old Some Beat Somewhere cult. He's called Beach Glass. He's won his first two effortlessly. Uh, he's a two year old. He'll probably be racing maybe Monday or Tuesday at Wood. Beach Glass from the same connections that brought you some beach somewhere. And he may be worth a look down the road. Yeah, that was uh, this past Monday night, I believe, he last raced, correct? And it was like 1-9 to nine from post-9. That was such a great effort. Yeah, that that um, definitely seems to be one to watch. Uh, so that will uh, definitely a good piece of information there for our listeners. Keep an eye on him if you watch Wood by Mohawk earlier in the week, um, probably next Monday or Tuesday. Yes, he'll be in the nominees too, my guess. But I mean, he's a nice little horse, and like I said, something to look forward to in the future. Possibly the connections are top rate. Brett McGlass, Schooner Stable, some beat somewhere. So maybe they struck lightning in a bottle a second time. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a pleasure to be with you, young man. I wish you nothing but the best. I wish our players nothing but the best. And, uh, Let's hope we can cast some tickets. Thanks so much, Joe. And uh, one more time for our listeners out there. They can go get their free programs for this card at woodbine.com backslash mohawk backslash free hyphen programs. And I'll echo the same sentiment as Joe. We'll wish you the best of luck in all your wagering endeavors this weekend at Woodbine Mohawk and any other tracks you may be playing. Hopefully we will all make it a winning weekend as this concludes this episode of First Over with Edison Hatter. And we will talk to you next time.